0: It's Monday, July 8th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool One, Jason Moser, and from Motley Fool Supernova, Matt Argersinger. Good to see you, gentlemen. Welcome hey. back. We're back. You? We yeah. are back, yes. We <laughs> took a little bit of a break last week. We we're only on once, but uh, earnings season officially kicks off, so it is... All market foolery, all the time, for at least the next six weeks or so. God, I'm excited. (laughs) Awesome. Um, So we will talk earnings season. Uh, We will talk uh, the weekend box office uh, where history was made. And we will also talk uh, about Facebook's uh, new search. Um, But let's start with, with earnings season. It officially kicks off today. Alcoa reports After the market closes today, and Alcoa, by virtue of, I guess because the ticker symbol is AA, um, (laughs) it it signals the beginning of earnings season. But we also had, last Friday, the jobs report come out, got less attention than normal just because it bumped right up against the... Independence Day holiday, but 195,000 new jobs added. Uh, it, it struck me as one of those reports, as Ron Gross uh, refers to from time to time, as there was something for everyone. <laughs> like if you're pessimistic, there was something in the report for you, or if you're optimistic. <laughs> um, but Jason, I'll just start with you. In the wake of the jobs report and with earnings season kicking off, how are you feeling about the economy in general, and what are you thinking about the market?
1: Uh, so let's starting with the jobs report. I mean Ron's right, it's a little bit of something for everyone there. I mean I think that makes sense. It's I look past sort of you know the unemployment number at 7.6% I think still uh, you look at the labor force participation rate and the, the wages and those numbers are still relatively flat as well. It looks like more people are taking more part-time jobs. And I think the concern for a lot of us is the, the quality of jobs that, that are going to be coming online here because, you know, there are a lot of jobs going away. If we look at banking, for example, I mean, it's projected over the coming decade, we're going to see somewhere in the neighborhood of 13 to 14,000 banking centers in the United States closing. I mean, that's a lot of jobs that right. aren't really going to be coming back because banking has moved online. And so I think we're going to continue to kind of see that stuff happen. There'll be more jobs that come to different industries and whatnot. But I, I think that really it does bring to question for me the quality of the jobs that are going to be out there in the coming years, uh, because if if it's a lower quality job, doesn't make as much money, doesn't offer as many hours. And I think there's reason to be concerned that the economy may not be as, as robust uh, as, as people are hoping. But with that said, I think you have to remember the last ten years were irrational in virtually every way. I mean, that was based on really a fraud from the very beginning of housing prices being way overblown, right? Yeah. So that was a lot of money that didn't really exist in the first place. So,
2: at the same time, there were some big positive revisions in some previous months in the jobs report. I, it's, to me, it's it's it was pretty strong. I think the economy's in a good place. I agree um that one of the things we'd like to see is you know we we haven't seen sort of the increase in wages or that you know the the unemployment rate come lower which means that maybe the underlying strength isn't really that that big but I I took away it pretty positive and to me the stock market's the biggest um indicator right the stock market's near all time high it's been a heck of a run um yep. over the last week and that's telling me that hey The the market thinks the economy is in pretty good shape. I I tend to go along with that. How much of that, though,
0: do you think is fueled by – we've talked about this before – this whole notion that uh, maybe not so much for individual investors like you and me, but for professional investors, fund managers, that sort of thing. They are looking, in some cases, around the globe, and increasingly the U.S. is where they want their money because Europe hasn't been a good place to invest broadly – for a long time. Uh, we're, We're seeing signs of the slowdown in China. So it seems like at least some percentage, and I have no idea what, but it seems like at least some small percentage of this has got to be fueled by, at the top level, professional investors going, well... I'm going to invest in the U.S. because really, there's nowhere else to
2: invest. I agree. I mean, I I was shocked the other day. I was looking at the emerging a lot of the emerging market indexes, and they're all way down yeah, for the, the year, trailing the U.S. market dramatically. Big time. Brazil's down double digits. China. We saw. We talked about China. China's down, and you know, there's just all this. There's all these unrest going on. Brazil one, Egypt, Egypt yeah. one. Uh, the Syria thing keeps going on. It's just, gosh, if I have to invest in a place where the, the government 's relatively stable. the economy's decent um, i can I can the transparency of the the markets and the
1: businesses are are fairly strong the u s is one of the few options Maddie said the key word there to me. the one I was thinking was transparency. i just I think that when you look at it on a global scale uh, there there is no other place that that you can feel more. Secure about your investment because of the accessibility of information today. It's just that much easier for us as investors, uh, and and investors everywhere to find the information they need and really to separate, uh, the cream from the crop, so to speak. I think that you're gonna see, I, I believe we're gonna see some, some relatively strong market conditions for a while here going forward because short term interest rates are 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 going to be low for a long time and we're seeing sort of a tick up there in mortgage rates uh, but but really the fed has committed to keeping those short term interest rates low through Around 2015 ish. I mean, there's an unemployment benchmark there with six and a half percent, which is is there's a lot a lot of work to, uh, left to get to that point. And so, when you see something like that, there just aren't going to be. There, there's no other place to really get those kinds of returns other than the market. And really, when you're talking about the best market, uh, the best opportunity in the world, it, it has to be domestic. I would here. say
2: one concern I have is that all this attention, all the all the capital that's flowed into the U.S., part of that's helped the U.S. dollar be so strong, and you know, we've had a little bit of a, a, what we call a manufacturing renaissance here. Our labor markets have gotten a little more competitive. If the dollar keeps getting stronger, that could end up being a weight on the economy, but we're not quite there yet.
0: Is there one particular thing in earnings season that you guys are watching, looking for? It can be from a company, it can be from an industry. Um, uh, I did an interview this morning on one of our affiliate radio stations, and one of the things I had said was, Personally, I'm looking for, out of consumer technology, I'm just curious to see to what extent some of these companies start talking about the holiday, um, whether it's uh, Microsoft with the Xbox, you know, the gaming systems, or even just the fall, because I think a lot of people are looking at the companies like Samsung, Apple, et cetera, and saying, what to what extent are you telegraphing what new gadget or updated gadget is coming this fall? But Matty, what about you? What are you watching?
2: You know, I, I think I said this prior to last quarter's earnings, and it, to me, it, it still comes down to top line growth. You know, I'm still looking at um, what companies are doing to really grow. Well, I mean, to really achieve true growth of the business, which is really has to start at the top line. Um, and and to me, you know, I I'm looking at I'm looking at retail companies. We we talk about Amazon all the time, but you know I, I want to see if there's this. We've we've seen some confidence return to the consumer market. Are consumers out there spending? You know, one one interesting I, I mentioned this I, I think on Investor Beat a while ago. Was I was looking at Winnebago. Winnebago just had blowout results. They sell RVs. Right. I mean, <sighs> gas guzzling huge. Expensive vehicles. And they had a they had a great quarter. And that tells me, gosh, if the consumers out there gonna spend can spend seventy five thousand dollars on an R V that gets about eight gallons to the you know <laughs> eight to, miles to the gallon. Eight miles to the gallon, sorry. That that tells me the consumer is a lot stronger than we think. I'd like to see if that carries forward this earnings season.
1: Jason, what are you watching? Yeah, I think that's basically just focusing on that top line sales number because really that's we've seen these companies over the past few years have just cut costs to the bone and so they've been able to maintain relatively decent that margins in the face of of less than stellar uh, revenue growth over, over the past few years, and so really we need to see that sales sales growth resume, uh, or else you know the earnings earnings can only be you can only cut so many costs, and earnings are going to be relatively flat if they can't grow those sales numbers.
0: The big winner at the box office this weekend, and it was an extended five-day weekend because of the holiday, was Despicable Me 2 from Sony Entertainment, uh, took in 142 million at the box office, which sets a new record for animated films just eking out a victory over Toy Story 3. Uh, which took in, I think, 140 million, 141 million over the first five days. And Jason, we talked about this recently. You look at the, it's a good year for the box office overall, not just in terms of revenue, because that can be a little misleading with ticket prices going up, that sort of thing, but also in terms of tickets sold. It's a good year at the box office. And at the halfway mark, right now, Disney in the driver's seat with three of the top six grossing movies in the U.S. Um, but certainly, um, that was not the case this weekend where, uh, uh, the Lone Ranger from Disney, not, not really cutting it against Despicable Me, too.
1: I, yeah, and I, I can't speak poorly to the movie because I haven't seen it uh, by the same token. You know, I was looking at this the other day and I, like on, for Disney... You know, the pro for Disney is that you look at their studio segment and it's about 8% of their operating income. So things like this don't really kill it. And obviously, the the Monsters University performance is going to help balance uh, Lone Ranger's uh, shortfall. Uh, out a little bit but you know on the, on the other side of it there's just no planet where it should cost 250 million dollars to make the lone ranger i mean that to <laughs> me is just it's like one of the most bare-bones concepts out there it's a western theme basically an indian and a cowboy and a couple of horses right so i mean for it to be Appa- 250 million dollars mm-hmm. apparently a lo- <laughs> apparently a lot of explosions right too. it's i mean just for for it to Two hundred fifty million dollars is just an absurd amount of money for a production like that. And you look at Despicable Me, which it was something like seventy five million maybe to make that movie. Yeah. Less, I a mean, a third of what Sunday right. And so cost. that's yeah. that that's just the beauty of those animation uh, movies. And, and and we we talked about it before that, that Despicable Me and Pixar's done a great job of this of of attracting wide audiences. You know, I, I would go see Despicable Me even without my kids. It was just a good movie, right? And and the same thing with a lot of those Pixar ones too. Um, But, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, I just can't figure out how it costs so much money to make the Lone Ranger. Well, and as Jason and I were talking before the show, I told him, you know, God, if I had to start a movie studio,
2: I mean, it would be all kids' films all the time. I mean, it's, it just, you don't, and uh, Lone Ranger's a bit of an example of this is that, you know, you you pay, you have to pay these actors a lot of money. And they're good, they're great actors, and they they attract a, a huge audience. But when you're paying someone like, you know Johnny Depp or Brad Pitt, um, a lot of money to be in movies, man.
1: Better you better hope you hit hit the mark. Yeah, that doesn't mean it's going to be successful. Right. But the interesting thing there,
0: um, you think about just the universe of movie making, and there are a few directors. Woody Allen is one. I think Spielberg is another. I think Steven Soderbergh is maybe even in that group as well. Uh, Martin Scorsese. These are directors who are so highly regarded that you have really expensive actors who would otherwise charge $40 million to be in their movie and they'll say oh I'll work at scale. Like Woody Allen, right. all of his movies pretty much all of them make money because all of these actors are willing to work with him but it, it just reminded me uh, what you just said reminded me Matt that I think the only studio that fits that category is Pixar. That you hear these actors talking about doing animated movies but in particular for Pixar I I just remember uh, Sigourney Weaver talking about, you know, her small role in Wally and just the whole notion of how the director was really nervous to ask her to be in it cuz he just thought well gosh here's this here's this amazing award-winning actress right. this icon of sci-fi with you know well, alien and that sort of thing the best. and he was so nervous to ask her and she was like are you nuts of course i'll do this I, you know i'll pay you to do this so it, it really seems like pixar and disney have that advantage
2: yeah and i i think jason brought up a great point it's just disney's Disney can afford the Lone Rangers and the the John Carters from. A, is that right? Yeah, a yeah, ago? John Carter. Because from they a they come out with Monsters University or the or the Pixar hits, and it's just that's that's beautiful for them that they have they can offset it always with with the animated side.
0: You can always email us radio at fool.com is our email address. Uh, got an email this weekend from Mark Johnson uh, somewhere in the Washington D C area. Um, he writes, "I've started picking up slugs." Slugs are glorified uh, hitchhiking, refers to glorified hitchhiking to gain access to the HOV lanes on I-95. Uh, I've, I've, start- I've
2: done the slug before. Have you? So, yeah, I have. I did. It.
0: He writes. I've started picking up slugs, and I play market foolery in the car. Many of my slugs are repeat passengers, and they've nicknamed <laughs> nicknamed my ride home the Motley Fool. The other day, <laughs> I heard one of them downloading the Fool podcast on his own phone. Should we start talking about a bounty system for getting dozens and dozens of more listeners? That's not a bad idea. I'm, you know, oh, man. I'm have, all for bounties. Yeah, <laughs> we have a budget of about a dollar and a half, but uh, you know, we'll we'll kick that idea around see what we can come up with. Uh, But thank you for uh, spreading the word, Mark. And uh, again, radio at fool.com. Drop us an email anytime. Back in January, Facebook rolled out its new search, the graph search. And they've been testing it for, I guess, well, since January. And now they are rolling it out to everyone on Facebook. And... What do you think, Jason? Facebook says, hey, it's faster. It's a more quality search. It's a search that understands more complex search queries. So as opposed to just Mexican restaurants in New York City, uh, it's Mexican restaurants in New York City that my friends also like. I don't know. It It seems like the kind of thing. I would never want to take any company just at their own word. But it does seem like the sort of thing that if this works, this could make a difference to the bottom line of Facebook, just because if I am an advertiser, I am more interested in this type of search results if they can achieve it.
1: Meh, no, <laughs> I mean, you know, that's what you said. You rub your nose, rub your chin uh, for like thirty seconds, and after, after pontificating, I mean, I just you know my problem with this is, I yeah, I mean, of course they're going to pump it and make it look really great, and, and maybe it will, maybe it will be something that yields some results, but the, the, the you know the problem I have with this it's it's totally based on. What Facebook users input, right? And so if you're not adding things or liking things, then it's really not going to be able to retrieve much data anyway. And I think for someone like me, and I I try not to like many things on Facebook, uh, because then they start targeting me and peppering me with all these stupid ads. And the ads take more and more of my screen. <laughs> Tell me what you and, really think. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not the biggest Facebook bull on the planet, I guess, Chris. But, uh, I mean, I, that, that's my my hesitation here. That's my reservation with this is that because it's, it's very much based on what people input. And I think that we're seeing a lot of behavior in, in that. Consumers, users are not necessarily using Facebook in that way. Uh, I remember reading an example uh, on on a Netflix uh, post where someone was very concerned that that the Netflix and Facebook link up. Uh, had shared some data of, of this individual that he didn't really want people to be seeing, and so it sounds like more and more people are are using Facebook less and less as that kind of a platform. It maybe just more as kind of like a glorified email way to sort of exchange pictures and whatnot. And so that's that's the thing with Facebook; it's very based on advertising, and right now they're just they're not pulling that that off very nicely. But it could could do well. This is well. It is one thing that could make
2: the experience, especially. I, I, I agree with you for the Facebook power user that has a huge network network that is out there liking things all the time. This could be pretty, you know. This could be a, a nice little ad, a nice little feature. If I can, if I can, especially the idea that if I've got five years worth of data on Facebook, and I don't know where I don't I don't know that cafe that I that I ate at in Paris in, in 2010. I can I can easily now hopefully search for that and find that and, and get the name. That that is a little bit compelling to me. Again, my my biggest problem with Facebook though is still, and Jason and I have talked about this, is the whatever facebook does to monetize its platform it has to at least i think come at the detriment of the experience and as long as that's the case it's going to be very difficult for them to do a lot of things without disrupting the appeal that the, that their platform has and so a bottom
1: line: this this doesn't change that for me.
2: F- what, Facebook
1: power user, man? I just I have this picture of like a headband, you know, like some some sort of couple of sweatbands on uh, the arms, wristbands, whatever. Like a like a like power and, user, just someone locked in yeah. at their uh, home. Sure, <laughs> they're probably out there.
0: When do you think we'll know? Or are we? Is this the sort of thing that we're going to know pretty quickly in terms of the results? Because it seems like much was made of this back in January. They're rolling it out to everyone now. It would seem like. If I'm an analyst on the conference call with Facebook three months from now or whenever they were, you know, whenever, not this earnings season, but in the fall in October or so, that would seem like if you're Facebook and it's a hit in terms of driving revenue, you are highlighting it immediately. And if would, you're yeah. not, it is conspicuous by its absence.
2: I would say. I, I don't know exactly the metric Facebook uses, but they must have an average time spent per user on Facebook. I would say if graph search is a hit, you'd have to see that number go up because people are going to be sp- spending more time on there. If that number doesn't increase, I would question whether or not it's been a success.
1: Yeah, but- I mean, even further though, I think it, it's going to have to result in sales numbers, right? I mean, it, it, even if it results in people spending more time on the site, that doesn't matter at all if, if sales numbers aren't, aren't growing. And so I think that, you know, by the end of the year, we would be able to see uh, if there's any real you know, substantial effect to, to those sales numbers and the advertising relationships that it's creating. And, and they would certainly be touting that. I think you're right. They would probably be highlighting that first and foremost. I don't think you're going to see them highlighting uh, Facebook Home for example, because you know, by all accounts that's been a flop to date, um, so they're kind of not talking about it as much. Uh, but yeah, I think that anything like this is—if it's successful—that they'll certainly be highlighting it. All right, Jason
0: Moser, Matt Argus, Singer, guys, thanks for being here.
1: Thank you, thank as you. As
0: always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Bell. Thanks for
2: listening. We'll see you tomorrow. quick belated shout out to Andy Murray first british man in 77 years to win wimbledon oh, yeah. andy murray yeah andy i think you murray. said andy murray i did too oh I was sorry like the singer andy like yeah.
1: and murray dude that was, was did a you guys of watch guy. that was match that yesterday by the way that was an epic match i saw uh, i saw just the last bit of the third set i was surprised he got that thing done in three straight sets
2: so early on i'm and i'm not a huge tennis person but early on Djokovic looked so in control. Every shot Djokovic took, it looked like Andy Murray was like running back and forth across the court like a desperate man. And I I don't know how he did it, but somehow he just got control of that match, pulled it out. It was amazing.
1: Man had a weight of a country on his shoulders. He did. But if Ann Murray had won, that that would have been huge. That would have been market foolery worthy right there.
0: No. (laughs)